0: For 17 years now I've been leading worship in churches and over that time my understanding of worship has changed greatly. When I started out I knew just a couple of things. Okay, I knew that God had saved me and I knew that I liked the way that I felt when I was playing music at church. That's, and that's about it. Uh, but that was enough to attract me to want to learn more about worship. In 2004, I began helping out a friend of mine. He led a, or he was a student pastor at a small church in Dunawig, Missouri, right outside of Joplin. It was a small Baptist church, and I'd go there every Wednesday night and lead worship for about 25 kids. And my wife and I actually put a lot of time into that volunteer position, and we learned a lot about ourselves and about ministry in general. And now, 17 years later, here we are. And my understanding of worship is is very different now. It's evolved. It is evolving. It's active in me, and I'm always learning. And that knowledge, whether it be book learning or life experience, has deepened my worship. If you missed Andrew's wonderful sermon on knowledge last week, I encourage you to listen sometime soon. Uh, My sermon today actually builds off of his, because as our knowledge grows, so does our worship. If someone is ignorant of God, and by that I mean someone who has zero knowledge, that there is even a creator, then it is impossible for that person to worship the creator, God. If someone has no knowledge of grace, then they cannot praise God for that grace. You have to know, you have to believe, you have to recognize certain things before you can worship. There's a direct correlation between how much you understand about God and how much you're able to worship him. You know, it bothers me that the word worship has become synonymous with music. The words are almost inseparable. To prove my point, if I say it's time to worship now, what would you think we're about to do? We're going to sing, right? We're going to make music. But worship is not music. Music can be worship, but worship is deeper than that. Worship is not music. Worship is a response to who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. And that response could be singing. It could be music, but often it's how we live our day-to-day lives. It includes the decisions we make and the actions that we take out there. It's not so much the 1 hour a week that we have together, it's the other 167 other hours, sorry, 167 other hours in the week. That's where our worship happens. So I want to look at a short passage that some of you probably know by heart. Romans 12.1, you heard it quoted earlier. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies. Now this is a theme that Paul actually develops throughout his letter to the Roman church. In chapter 1 of Romans, Paul says that those under the wrath of God dishonored their bodies and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. In chapter 6, he says that they should no longer present the members of their bodies as instruments of wickedness in the service of sin. And in chapter 8, he says by the power of the Spirit, you should put to death the misdeeds of the body. So if we put those together, he says don't dishonor your bodies by using them for wickedness and the misdeeds of sin. And here in Romans 12, he says they should actually be using their bodies in a way that is pleasing to God, offering themselves as a living sacrifice through a morally good life. He says stop giving into sin. Seek out morality. The things that you do and the things that you choose not to do show if you actually worship the Lord or not. In other words, the way you conduct yourself at home, the way you conduct yourself at work, prove who your God is. It proves who you worship. Now we're going to get into what that looks like here in a minute, but before we do, there's one more part of this verse that needs to be highlighted. In view of God's mercy. In view of His mercy, offer. Since you know about His mercy, offer. You would not honor the Lord with your body if you had no knowledge of his mercy. But when you recognize what he has done for you, you respond in worship. Again, if you knew nothing about mercy, if you knew nothing about grace, if you knew nothing about the fact that Jesus died for your sins, you would have no desire to worship. You wouldn't even be here. The only reason, the only reason you're here is because you have recognized the power. And the blessing of this gracious gift and that recognition makes you grateful, doesn't it? And that's your motivation to worship. The gratitude that you feel when you think about God's mercy is your motivation to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your motivation to stop sinning. Your motivation to live a moral life. And this is true and proper worship. In your day-to-day lives, do you ever meet really negative people? You're, are you around them much? No? guess it's just me. Teasing, guys. We have a great staff. Nobody's really negative. I just have to say that. Uh, the type of person, you know, the type of person that always voices how they've been wronged or how this is bad or how that is bad. Do you know anyone like that? Man, aren't they draining? Aren't they a real downer to be around? And if you notice that a couple of people in the room just maybe shifted their weight a little bit to get a good look at you, it might be you. <laughs> it's so draining to be around people like that. Someone who is seemingly incapable of gratitude, incapable of focusing on the good in their lives and being grateful for it. We worship because we are thankful. And I wonder, would people describe you as being thankful? Would your immediate family, if we were to bring them up here and ask, them would they describe you as a grateful person one who is grateful for what they have you see when our gratitude increases we view life differently and our relationship with God changes as well when you pray do you include things that you're thankful for or you just start asking him for things when life gets difficult gratitude is normally one of the first things to go and we just sort of cut to the chase in our prayers and tell God what we want right But I want you to try something. Next time you're praying, just start listing everything that you're thankful for. And you may realize that you don't need the thing that you're praying for or asking for. With thanksgiving, with gratitude we pray. Out in the hallway there are eight poster boards that Naomi Kallenberger hung up for us. And the third one was just revealed this morning. It has Hebrews twelve twenty-eight. It says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship. With thanksgiving, we worship. In view of God's mercy, we worship. And if that's you, if you're thankful, if you have gratitude in your heart, then prove it. Prove it. Live your life according to Scripture. Actually live out your theology. And what does that look like? Love your spouse the way God loves the church. Children, do what your parents tell you to do. Stop slandering even members of the other political party. Forgive someone that wronged you. Forgive them someone that mistreated you. Pray for your enemies. If you're thankful, then prove it. Live out your theology. Serve someone. Chris is going to preach on that next week. Hope you come back for that. Give away your money. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Stop lying. Stop putting so much pride in your own abilities and recognize where they came from. If you're thankful, then prove it and live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Be generous. Share with others. Be willing to associate with people of low position. If you're thankful, then prove it. Don't repay evil for evil. Be humble. Be gentle. Bear one another with one another in love and make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you're thankful, then prove it and worship the Lord with your life. That is the proper response. Resist evil. Seek morality. Seek godliness. Romans 12, 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's going to be hard, guys. It will be hard. It will be a fight. Make no mistake. Because it goes against our very nature, doesn't it? In fact, it's so hard that you can't do it on your own, but you have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you and He will strengthen you and make you strong and you will need strength because it takes strength to resist the dark side. So taking into account everything that I've just said about worship, I'd like to talk about musical worship now. It's a big part of our services here at Glendale, and I'd be amiss if I didn't take this opportunity to speak about it. Musical worship involves us using our bodies to respond to God's grace in a different way than what I've previously mentioned. It's not us trying to conform our lives to Scripture and, or follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's more us being so grateful for God's mercy that we want to cry out to Him vocally. But this isn't just something that we came up with here. We find music all throughout Scripture and so that tells me that it has some importance. In uh, chapter 38 of Job, God tells Job that before he formed the earth, the stars sung together. It's Kind of a neat picture, isn't it? I like this one. In Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, it says that God actually sings over us. Revelation 14, 15, we read about what will be sung in heaven. 1 Chronicles 16, 23, Sing to the Lord all the earth and proclaim His salvation day after day. Of course, it's all over the Psalms. I chose Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song for He has done marvelous things. There's lots of singing and music in the Bible, isn't there? God gave music great power. It connects with us on a deep level. It manipulates our emotions. It can make us happy. And excited, it can make us sad and depressed. It can drudge up old memories. At times, it breaks down barriers that that mere words cannot. And when it's utilized by people who are sold out for Christ, its power is magnified. That's why listening to Christian music can minister to you. It can uh, serve as a reminder of God's mercy. If you don't listen to any Christian music throughout the week, you might consider it, especially if you feel that you've become disconnected from God. Especially if you feel that you're disconnected from your faith. But even though music connects with our emotions, our musical worship oftentimes does not. Most of the services that you come to will not provoke your emotions in a way that brings you to your knees in praise. It can happen. You could be so overcome with emotion that all you can do is fall to your knees and feebly lift your hands and worship. But most of your corporate worship experiences will not be emotional for you. And that's okay. That is okay. If you feel no emotional connection to anything we do, you can still worship. The way that you respond in musical worship does not have to hinge on emotions. Now, I hope you do feel something while you're here. And I certainly try to craft moments where you feel certain emotions, but even if you don't, that's totally fine. Now why am I telling you this? Because I think it's a big deal. Because there is a belief that many Christians have that I think needs to be corrected. There are Christians who believe that the church service is a religious experience where God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit can be encountered on a deeper level than anywhere else. And they go to church to be physically closer to God, to feel the Holy Spirit touch them, as if God was confined to one place. They long for the days of the temple when God's Spirit would live there. It's Old Testament temple-style worship, but the veil was torn after the cross. The barrier's gone, and God's Spirit lives in us. Temple worship holds no more power than living room worship. And the idea that you have to begin a church service, listening to good music at just the right volume, under just the right lighting, to feel the Holy Spirit, it's asinine. And it's a system that's based on the manipulation of emotions, and it's an attempt to get you to stay in church because the church is the holy place, right? And I've met people who hop from church to church to church based on the quality of the music, and they're looking for that emotional experience to help them feel like they've worshipped. And it always disappoints me even if they come here and they're like, hey, Derek, your music's pretty great. Even if they come here, I still can't help but think it's just a little shallow. You see, it doesn't matter if you like the music. You could have no interest in what's happening musically and still be able to worship because you can still take the opportunity to focus on God with the other people around you. The Musical style doesn't matter. And I understand that may be hard for you to hear, especially in a church that split up services based on musical preference alone, (laughs) which I think was the greatest mistake Glendale ever made. It set us on a very dangerous, me-centered path full of selfishness and pride. We're talking about 20 minutes of music. So for 20 minutes of music, we've decided to segregate ourselves and separate ourselves. In an attempt to please and calm arguments, we divorced ourselves from each other and essentially formed two congregations based on age, which makes it difficult for the young to learn from the old. Amen. Makes it difficult for the old to be invigorated by the young. All for 20 minutes of music. And it happened because we confused music for worship. And we thought musical preference and style affected our worship. If you believe that type of music affects your worship, then your view is skewed. If you believe that unfamiliar songs affect your worship, then your view is skewed. Quality of performers. If you believe that type of instrumentation, piano or guitar, affects your worship, then your view is skewed. If you believe that you can't go to the other service at the same church because you can't worship with those types of songs, then your view is skewed. If you believe that any of those things affect your personal worship of the amazing Creator God, then your view is skewed. Because when those things don't happen on a particular Sunday, you can still worship. You don't have to enjoy yourself to worship God. You do not have to feel an emotional experience to worship God. Worship is not the songs that we sing or the types of songs we sing. It's the attitude that we have while singing them. I said it earlier, but worship is not music, but music can be worship. You see, we brought into this idea that music induces worship or that music produces worship. Music can't induce or produce worship. Music's not the origin of worship. You don't need music to worship, but, Music enriches your worship. Music is an expression of worship. And music is very important for our church culture. In Ephesians 5, Paul tells the church at Ephesus to sing and make music for their hearts to the Lord. In his letter to the Colossians, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, through hymns and through songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There it is again. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts in view of God's mercy. Music is very important to a believer. And we do it on Sunday morning because it aids our worship and helps us focus on a certain aspect of God. It helps us respond. I'd like to close with a narrative this morning. depicts the time when the disciples responded, to, or responded in worship to Jesus. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And Matthew recounts the time when Jesus walked on water. It says early in the morning, Jesus just walks out to the boat holding his disciples. Just walks on the water. And it says when they saw him, they freaked out. They were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. Cried out in fear. And Jesus says, no, no, that's me. Don't be afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's really you and not a ghost, then tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come on down. Peter gets out of the boat and begins walking on the water toward Jesus. But he got a little freaked out by the wind and the rain and the waves, and he was afraid and he began to sink. And as he was going down, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches down, catches him, pulls him up, says, why'd you doubt? Why didn't, why didn't you trust me? And they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And then in verse 33, it says that everyone who was in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The disciples once again got a glimpse of the glory and the power of Jesus. They recognized his deity, and they responded to it. And their first response was to bow and worship. We recognize and we respond. We recognize His power and we respond. We recognize His mercy, His grace, and we respond. It's not complicated. It's very simple. We recognize and we respond. And that response is worship. Yes, it can happen on a Sunday morning when we sing together. But most of your worship is out there. So I have two questions for you to ponder. What attribute of God causes you to worship? What have you recognized about God? Recognized about your faith, your journey, your story, that causes you to worship? I'm actually going to ask this question tomorrow on Facebook. If you're on there, I'd love to uh, read through your responses if you just comment. Uh, Second one, what are three ways that you personally respond in worship? All of us are different. Uh, Do you think serving your family is you submitting to God and worshiping? Uh, Do you like to pray? Or is music your thing? I'm going to ask that question as well on Facebook. I'd love to hear your responses. See, it's important for us to understand why and how we worship. And reflecting on these two questions, I think, helps that. Thank you for listening. I'd love to pray for you now. Before I do, let me say that if you're in the need of prayer, uh, or would like to know about, more about Jesus, you can come down and talk to Andrew or Chris as our musicians come up and lead us in a final song.